Hi, everybody. I'm David Irvin. I'm a leadership development specialist and a best-selling author, and we want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. What is uniquely special is that I'm going to be doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley, and I'm super excited about this opportunity to make our work jointly fulfilling on this project that we are both so passionate about. So, Haley, welcome to another episode of the Leaders Navigator podcast. Ooh, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to tell us you have just come back from a trip to New York City with your junior high class. Yeah, your junior so, high students. So give us a little bit of background about how that hall went down. Yeah. So normally I teach senior high, uh, but my principal and I discussed, and she 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 let me go on this and take this opportunity to go on this trip with the junior highs because uh, these are the kids I'm going to be teaching next year and beyond. So to kind of bridge that gap and what this trip is, and this is the first time they've been able to do this since COVID, we've tried to do some in-house type style of ones, but it's been hard to do that because um, of COVID. So this happens uh, not just once a year, but two or three times a year, depending on the year. Uh, and the organization is the Montessori Model United Nations. And so uh, it's it's an opportunity for Montessori kids who are in either senior elementary, so grade four, five, six, uh, which they call upper elementary or in junior high, so grades six, seven, eight, nine. Um, and then they also have a, an opportunity for, for senior high students as well. Um, but they go to New York, they meet in this hotel with 1500 other kids. Uh, I guess in previous years, it's been up to 3000, but I think COVID's kind of changed that a little bit. Um, and they receive a country at the beginning of the year and uh, they have to research that country and figure out the country's stance on a variety of issues. And then it's a mock UN. Uh, it's a model UN, um, and they do that for, for two full days, interacting with other students. Uh, and then on the final day, they actually have the opportunity to speak at the UN. Um, obviously, there's no diplomats or anything like that there. There was, um, But they get to speak in the UN building on a Saturday, admittedly. Um, but they get to experience what it's like to you know not touch the translation devices. <laughs> Very important. Um, but to sit and then uh, the, the ones who are who stand out as strong speakers actually get to stand at the front of the room and deliver uh, a couple lines to to the like at the U.N., which was a huge deal. So, I mean, obviously, you can't just go to New York and just do that. So we also saw a Broadway play, um, let them, you know, explore Times Square, travel across the border. Um, and we also visited the 9-11 Memorial and Museum. So the whole, it was a, about a five day long trip uh, with grades six, sevens, eights, and nines. Uh, I told 51 kids in total. So it was a really cool, I had never done this particular experience before. I'd taken kids on trips before, but not this particular trip. And uh, yeah, so it was a really, really positive, wonderful experience. Oh, hang on, dad. I think, oh, you're muted. Try it. Here we go. Welcome to Zoom. <laughs> it's not like you've been doing this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an incredible experience. So speak to us about the highlight for you of the trip. I think honestly, well, the 9-11 Museum and Memorial, I hadn't had a chance to do that before, but it's a beautiful, beautiful facility. But I think ultimately it was seeing these kids, many of which, especially given COVID, um, had never been away from home before. Many of them had never been across a border before. Um and many of them had never been trusted to, you know, 
buy a subway ticket for themselves. Some of them had never taken public transit before. Um, granted, these are, you know, quite sheltered suburban kids, right? But, uh, you know, some of them have never, one of the students in grade six, this was his first time using money to buy anything. Um, of course, he bought a Big Mac for McDonald's, of course, but, you know, um, and, um, you know, to to give them that independence, right? To be able to say, all right, in 30 minutes, at 9.35, you have to meet right back here at the stairs at Times Square in this spot, but you can choose where you spend the next 30 minutes. Be safe. Don't go too far, right? And so they had to, you know, learn not to get lost. And if they did get lost, what to do and problem solving and how to manage their money and um, and and how to ask for help when they need it. And, you know, learning, like some of them learned this lesson the hard way, but if you go to bed at two in the morning and you have to get up at 6 a.m. to go to a conference, and all you've eaten is M&Ms, right? That that's not going to be the best life choice. But what a better way to learn it than by actually trying it and having that bit of independence. So it's a it's a core experience. This peak, peak experience is a core element of Montessori education. Um, but it's it's just, it was such an important trip for these kids to, to learn so many life skills. So. I know you spoke to me about the museum. Mm. And I'm wondering whether you could articulate what that experience was like for you as well as yeah. for these uh, these kids. So I, I I really hope it. I honestly, truly, Dad, this was the best museum I have ever been to in my whole life. The design of it, the way it's set up. Um, you know, I, I've had a, you know, as you know, Mom and I went to Auschwitz uh, in Krakow, Poland a number of years ago. Um, and this one was right up there uh, in terms of just the the gravity of it. Um, the immense weight of it. Um, but what it did do that that Auschwitz isn't able to, I think, just given the nature of history, um, a significant focus of this museum is on um, the memories of the, the victims. Um, and so there's an entire wing where there's a little touch screen with names and photos, and you can click on any of them and, and learn more about them as a person. Um, so, you know, family members submitted memories, submitted more about just how they, not just, not how they died, because um, I think that's a, a significant focus of the rest of the museum, right? But significant, like it was a, it was a huge focus on them as a person, them as an individual, here's their photographs, this is what they loved, these were their hobbies, right? Um, and so for these students to actually be able to, even just selecting a name at random and to be able to see that, um, and the other thing was, you know, these students, if they're in grade six, they were born 10 plus years after 9-11, right? So this is so out of their their zeitgeist, right? Like, you know, I, I was in elementary school when it happened, and, and I know you were a working adult, I know you had places to fly on that day, right? But this museum is so well designed that, you know, I had students in high school who came along with me as as leadership students, and you know, they were weeping. Um, there were columns of tissue paper throughout the museum too for, because it, and I, I got choked up in it a number of times and actually had to remove myself from the exhibits because of how overwhelming it is and how beautifully designed it is too. Just the, 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 the whole museum. And I, I really truly hope that anyone listening can have an opportunity to go to this museum. Like I was, you know, this is my fifth or sixth time going to New York. And every time I've not gone into the museum, cause I'm like, ah, oh, you know, you know, $50 entrance US, I don't know about that, but it is really worth it because the museum exists. It's underground, uh, the two footprints of, of the North and South Tower. Um, and so it exists underneath where those fountain pools are, the, the memory pools. Um, and uh, and it, you go down a very slow ramp. We had a tour guide that explained to us that 
that's done purposefully. So you don't just get hit all at once with all these artifacts and images and things like that. It's slowly leads you in. Um, there are exits throughout the, 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 each of the halls in case you need an early exit in case it's just too much. Um, and, uh, it's, it's photographs taken by New Yorkers of New Yorkers. Um, it's, it's names, it's, it's chunks of steel. It's, it's half of a fire engine. It's the, one of the, um, firefighters lucky helmets that he wasn't wearing on that day um it's pieces of paper that fell from the sky it's shoes that a woman wore um so and and then the most beautiful piece um and i'm actually going to look up what the name of the artist was so i actually have a you know chance to 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 memorize like mention this um but it's it's these tiny squares of blue paper um it's called memories of the sky on that day um from 9-11 I'm just gonna see if I can find the name of that artist because I really want to give him credit on here um so uh it's trying to remember the color of the sky on that September morning is the name of the art piece uh so Spencer Finch was the creator of this art piece um and it has a quote by Virgil on it that says no day shall erase you from the memory of time and each of those letters is sculpted from metal from the buildings Uh, And then there are um, 2,983 individual watercolor squares in various shades of blue, each representing a victim of the 2001, but also the 93 terrorist attack when the, when the, the van exploded in the parkade and there as well. Um, And the, like trying to remember the, the blue of the sky. And so it's this beautiful, massive art piece and behind which um, are the unclaimed remains um of uh you know of the the people who haven't yet had a chance to have a you know so and and I want to say and I could be wrong on my figures here but it's something like 40% of the remains have gone unclaimed but it's a it's a private area and behind this art piece where loved ones of victims can actually go and have a place of of memory and similar to to a, a cemetery right because the the remains that are left are are dust fragments and and you know like is really really hard to claim that but so that they can still go and and remember their loved ones and have a place of quiet reflection it's not open to the public um and so yeah so and what i really i love about this museum is that it the significant focus of it isn't i mean there is a little bit about the the traumatic and the gory details which i think is necessary but i, I definitely the hardest part of the museum for sure right the the voicemails of the loved ones right and the the horrific details of 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 the survivors recounting those those last few minutes of of people's lives, right? Um, and then also a whole portion about the terrorists themselves, right? And so there are those elements, but but ultimately it is a focus on New Yorkers as a whole, remembering those those the 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 before and after of New York and the resilience of humanity and the good of humanity, right? That that can be restored and, and remembering the helpers and the people that came in to in rescue efforts and the people that helped and, and, you know, the, the healing that the city has done since I shared that quote of the survivor tree with you, which I'm going to read. It's a little placard, um, of this tree, um, that survived. Um, I mean, admittedly it got quite burnt and, 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 you know, 
Um, but uh, so this is a plaque that that stands beside the survivor tree. This calorie pear tree stands distinct from the hundreds of swamp oak white trees on the memorial. It was discovered amidst the wreckage of the 9-11 attacks, its bark charred from fires at the site, and many of its limbs reduced to stumps. Yet somehow the tree, still bearing leaves, showed signs of life. Recovery workers transported the tree to a nursery in the Bronx to be cared for by the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation. With careful tending, the stumps of burned and gnarled bark gave, broke gave growth to longer and smoother branches. Replanted at the 9-11 Memorial on December 2010, this survivor tree burst into magnificent blossom each, string, each spring, embodying a living symbol of resilience. And that's ultimately what this museum is, um, is that it's, 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 a, it's a recognition of the first responders, of the police, of firefighters, of, of EMTs, of the average citizens going in to help, of all the people who came in afterwards, of the people who survived and the lasting impacts, both on their mental health and their emotional well-being, but also on their physical health um, in terms of because when the towers came down and and the the ash and the fire that that burned, it released a lot of toxins into the environment. And so that anyone who was around that area in the years afterwards now are battling from cancer, from um, infections. Um, one man passed away they, when they found his in his lungs, they found hardened concrete and shards of glass in his lungs, right, as part of the recovery that, that were there from the recovery effort. Um, so it really is uh, a memorial and a testament to the resilience of the New Yorkers as a people and to humanity as a whole. Um, so and and so and I, what I think was so powerful about this museum is that our kids get it right, that these students came in, they have no connection. Like it, it does feel like recent history. You know, you look at these photographs and it's outfits that could be easily worn today. Right. And, and, you know, the fact that we have all of this, I mean, cell phones weren't around to the extent that they are today, but we still have photographs. We still have voicemails, right. We still have, have messages. Um, so it doesn't feel like it's that long ago, but this museum was so powerful that, you know, our, our kids were all incredibly well-behaved. They weren't messing around. They were respectful. They were listening, they and they they took it took you know a day of they, they reflected on it they were continuing to talk about it even up until you know we came home um so it, it's it was a really if 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 anyone has a chance to visit museum like new york um it really really was truly a a highlight admittedly a very a tragic one but still a highlight so thank you for bringing all that to life mm -hmm. and uh, brought me to to tears Mm -hmm. what what well two questions that i have for you mm -hmm. um what was the impact you've really implied but what was the impact on you and what was the impact on the on your students and what was the message that needs to be brought forward in from that experience i think well it, it definitely impacted me i mean you know chandra my my sister being a police officer that definitely you know that was a oh seeing all the cops and, and police officers and, and service workers, right. And in, in those pictures that, that got me. Um, but I think it was also just seeing these, these artifacts and remembering that I think it's so easy, you know, just to see a bunch of numbers, but, and a bunch, even a list of names, right. Like um, at the Memorial pool, even something that they do, I'm, I'm sure I've told you about this before, but so that there's a name on both the North and South towers on the footprint of where the buildings were, there are these square pools. 
right? Um, and around the edges of each of these pools are each name of everybody who has died in, in those attacks, but also the 93 attacks as well. And uh, on the birthdays of those victims, they put a white rose beside their name, right? And so you can look down and just see these little scatterings of white roses on any given day. And I think it's just, and seeing the photographs and seeing the the missing posters that were, were down there and and seeing the wedding ring and the and the lucky helmet and the Jeff, we will miss you scrawled on the, the front of the fire truck. And I, I think it was just seeing the the devastation on the humanity. Um, that was really just the 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 complete, you know, here's an everyday day in New York, right? That was completely turned around. And but but also I think ultimately that you know, that the resilience of we can heal from this, it's important to remember, but, you know, we can heal and come together collectively as, as humanity and just to search for the good, right? That this was such a devastating, awful thing that happened, but the people that went in to help, right? And and the people that stood together and, and you know, work to remember this. And I think just that the collective humanity and, and that moment that we can remember and acknowledge the help and and, you know, move beyond that but i think it just like in all of the stories of 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 hope and healing that came from that day you know so i think that's ultimately like the biggest message right is that it's you know the irony is that the, these the tower went up as a symbol of peace right and then the devastation of what happened in in that terrorist attack but then also that you know to look for the good i think ultimately right even in the midst of such tragedy to look for the good Right. And aim to help, because that, I think, is, is truly what is human nature. Somehow there's a, a universal message that we need to mm -hmm. hang on to uh, in our own lives uh, to, to respond to whatever tragedy, however that might be defined in our own experience. Mm -hmm. How do we then bring forth our humanity in the midst of tragedy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. So and I think like. Like our, our students got that, I think. And I think that's why it was so moving, right? I mean, there were parts of the museum that I, and per, my personal, this is entirely just my own personal opinion. Um, there was a lot that was very, um, the details of which, like a lot of the really gruesome details about that, um, that I, 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 I really struggled with. And I, you know, the, the unsettling details, I think it is important to remember it, but I do worry a little bit in, in terms of like how much of that, that we remember Auschwitz, I think was a slightly different situation. I think it's important to remember the grueling details in those situations because we need to stop it from happening again. But in this context, I think this is again, just totally just my opinion. Um, but the context of 9-11, you know, it, it, because it wasn't, collective nation's fault right it was the result of of radicalized individuals i don't know if there's necessarily the same purpose to remembering these really atrocious gruesome details about the last moments of some people's lives um but that really also stuck out for our students too and and i don't you know they see a lot of these gruesome violent details in the media and uh, so i don't know how i feel about that element of it um also, I don't agree with censorship, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, so I think there is there's there's something there too, but focusing on the good, I think, is the ultimate goal. 
And then they emerged from this museum and went into a, a UN experience. Yeah. yeah. So take us through that next stage in the weekend. Yeah. And let's not, uh, let's not, not be touched yeah. by the, ex by the humanity in that atrocity. Yeah. But it was a whole, a whole journey that these yeah. students had for five days. So what emerged after right. the, uh, after the museum? It was really neat because now it was so funny too. And the joy of junior high, right. Is you have these beautiful discussions about nine 11, right. And then they go into this conference about the UN and they're so hopeful, right. That they can make a change as individuals, right. Which is the best thing. Right. And you know, it's easy to be cynical and be like, Oh, you're only 12. Like what good are you going to do? Right. You're talking about these big issues. It's not a real UN. It's just a mock UN. It's just a model UN, but you can't go there. Right. Because these kids, like this is the foundation for an adulthood full of service. Right. And so they're talking about, you know, the impacts of like the importance of biodiversity in, in the eco-financial fact, like ecofin for, for the United Nations. Right. Or they're they're talking about the rights of rural women in terms of economic development. They're talking about uh, human rights, especially in the midst of, of tragedies in, in Turkey and in uh, in the Ukraine right now. Right. And they're having these big discussions about these world issues and they're having to come together and propose solutions Right. And they're so hopeful and um, and and excited about what they could do for the world, even though they're, you know, they're 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 wearing suits. They're 13, 12, 13 years old. Um, and they're you know, they have these big, beautiful discussions. And then the most wonderful thing is that they leave these conferences and they delight in the Disney store and they they love buying lightsabers and um, the, the joy of buying stuffed animals. And then they go and they blow $40 on a bag of M&Ms and they delight in eating these M&Ms and they're away from home for the first time. Right. And so that it's just that they can have this really important, powerful experience um, in this beautiful time of their life, right? Where they're in between adulthood and childhood and they can have this taste of adulthood and of, of the United Nations and these big ideas and 9-11 and the memorial and these, you know, life and death, but then also that they can delight in being away from their parents for the first time and being all giddy because they're buying a liter of Sprite and their parents would never let them have that at home. Right. And, you know, establishing bedtimes for themselves and, or not, and then learning the consequences of that. And, you know, so it's just such a beautiful experience for them. Wow. <laughs> You've just kind of given us a whole spectrum of yeah. the human experience in the yeah. last half an hour. Ah, uh, to be in junior high, eh? <laughs> to be in grade six, seven, eight, nine, eh? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're very fortunate to have that experience and to have you as one of their uh, leaders through that. Oh, it's so fun, right? And and it's just, you know, and and it's just such a and like oh, and they went to Broadway. They got to enjoy theater and and delight in theater etiquette, which they'd never had before. And a lot of them have never been to a musical before. And just to be wowed by the spectacle of it, and then to sing along for the rest of the trip, and you know, to manage a border crossing and without their parents, and yeah, so it was just such a a beautiful coming of age moment, right? And now, like, I'm I'm excited to see them at school tomorrow because it's sort of a a hero's journey, if you will, right? Now they're back at school the way they were a week ago, right? And they're, you know, slightly changed. 
right? And growing up a little bit. And it's that there and back again, a hobbit's tail a little bit, right? It's now they've come back after having this big experience. And so I'm excited to see um, the other educators that are working with them this week are going to have them write some reflections. So I'm really excited to see what they took away from it. Even if it was just, yes, you know, bright green lime flavored M&Ms. What a joy. (laughs) The M&M store, quite an important thing. (laughs) The Times Square M&M store, man, oh man. (laughs) Well, thank you for for, uh, touching my heart today and opening (laughs) me up to humanity and the, the goodness of it all and the tragedy of it all. This, you've just given you've just given a picture of of uh, the human experience, the life experience in in a half an hour. It's quite remarkable. And that's I think like that's just the 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 joy of I think recognizing this important the the, the points in between, right? Like life is not good or bad, right? We exist in the in-between, right? We exist like this is, these are kids who are in between adulthood and childhood, right? It's the moments in between, right? And it's, you know, appreciating the the twilight zone, if you will, right? And searching for the good and, you know, because bad is inevitable, but searching for the good and embracing the in-between moments and and being present and all of that. So. Well, it was lovely to be inspired and to be in <laughs> In your presence and to hey. be present to, to be present to your presence today. Kids learn. I learned just as much from the kids that they do for, if not more than they do for me. So <laughs> give them the credit. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think that's probably a good place to, uh, to wrap this up. I, I you know, I, I wouldn't want to diminish the experience with further analysis. Mm-hmm. I think we just taste life. Yep, exactly. <laughs> And dad, so on that note, what are you grateful for this week, dad? Well, I'm actually strangely grateful for the ability to sit and allow myself to be touched, Mm. to be um, touched by humanity, Mm -hmm. to be touched by tragedy, Mm -hmm. unspeakable tragedy, but also unspeakable humanity. and to just fully embrace the human experience. You know, I was taught years ago, and you know me, uh, when we've watched movies, I have always been taught, I don't know where the lesson came, but I've always been taught to sit while the credits roll. Hmm. And it's important for me that when I've been touched by a story, mm-hmm. when I've been touched by an experience, mm-hmm. to allow that to settle mm-hmm. and not to just rush off and get into the next experience. Because if we're not careful, we can live in the future into the next experience instead of embracing the one that is in front of us now. Mm -hmm. So when I am finished with this episode, I'm going to take a few minutes and just sit quietly and allow this experience that you have brought to life. You know, I, I almost don't need to go to New York. You just, uh, Mm -hmm. you brought New York to me today. (laughs) And, um, you, you have painted the picture beautifully, magnificently, and I want to sit 
while the credits roll from this experience. Mm. Mm, so what am I grateful for? I'm grateful for this experience and to be with you today. Mm, thanks, Dad. That's I think what I'm grateful for too. It's just like I feel like thanks for listening and for letting me relive it again and again too, right? Like it's such a the beauty of travel, right? And of new experiences and exploration and adventure and is such a valuable thing, even if you, you know, means don't allow you to to leave, you know, leave the country per se. You can still leave your comfort zone and you know, explore and, and and interact with new new humans, right? And I think that there's something really powerful there. So, yeah. is there anything about the experience I haven't asked you that you would like to share with the listeners? With I our think listeners? I think just yeah, I think it's it's look for the good. I mean, it just kind of sums it up, right? Look for the good and be happy in the moment, right? And you know, you know, I think that's just it. And and enjoy the in between, right? But search for the good, ultimately. Look for the helpers. Thanks for putting a smile on my face, <laughs> opening my heart, and inspiring me today. <laughs> Thanks. You too, Daddy. <laughs> Stay real, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>